Good evening, everybody. It's uh, 24th of October, and this is our Q&A, 38 Q&A. <laughs> so now, before we go into the Q&A, Pastor Vite, could you lead us in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you, Father. We just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Yes, Lord, even as we heard in the morning, we come to your heavenly Father. We come to our Father who's Father interested in every detail of our lives. You are more interested in our deliverance than we ourselves. And therefore, this evening, O oh Lord, we surrender ourselves to your kind hands, O oh Lord. Father, all of us, uh, through the session, O oh Lord, Father, you are the answer, O oh Lord. You are the answer to every question. And I pray, Lord, even as we tackle them, I pray, Lord, you would grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I pray, Father, that you would make every answer relevant to every one of us, O oh Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Show us your ways, teach us your paths, and lead us into the way of everlasting life. To that end, I pray that you would bless this entire session. Anoint us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall start with the questions. It's question number eight. Uh, okay, it says, please explain this to me like a kindergarten child of God. When they talk about redemption, repentance, and new birth, new birth meaning born again, uh, is it when we got saved? I'm a little confused. Okay. We have a lot of babies in the church. Not babies in the sense of babies, but spiritual babies. A lot of people are getting saved every week. They're getting saved and they have questions because these are big sounding terms for newborn again believers. Redemption, repentance, new birth. New birth meaning born again, when we got saved, confused. Okay, let's make it very, very simple. Redemption is different from the rest of the words. Redemption is something, is the price that is paid to buy back somebody who's been sold into slavery, to have to be redeemed. So when Adam sinned, he sold him to slavery of sin, and the slave owner was Satan. Hmm. So you have to buy him back. So you have this price of redemption through the law, gold and silver. In the Bible it says, Peter says, but when it comes to the truth, how God redeemed us, how he bought us back, it is not by gold or silver. Right, it's First Peter. First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter, chapter one. one. So first, let me explain to you redemption. <clears throat> That's why we we First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen and nineteen. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation. Yeah, can we have a simpler version? Yeah? Yeah. Okay, because that will make it difficult for the babies. Okay? For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed over to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So we were redeemed, okay, by the blood of Jesus from eternal death. If he had not redeemed us, we all would have gone into eternity with the devil. 
would have pulled us all off because he owned us. He is destined for hell. Remember, hell was made for the devil and the ones who rebelled against God. And everybody who sided with the devil was not redeemed would have gone there. But Christ paid the price on the cross. Okay. Now, the only thing is that when a person can be redeemed, but uh, in this case, he also exercises his free will. So he also has to choose that I want to go with my Redeemer. Mm. Okay, Like I keep saying, hell is full of forgiven sinners who did not accept the mercy of God. The mercy of God. So the first part of that question is redemption. We were redeemed by the blood of Jesus from eternal death. We were bought. We were freed. And then the second part comes repentance and new birth. And this is very, very important. This is one of the things which even believers struggle with. If you go to Hebrews chapter 6. Okay. Verse 1. Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Mm. These two go together. When John the Baptist started preaching the gospel and then John and Jesus and then the apostles throughout the Bible, you will never hear the gospel of salvation being preached anywhere mm. without repentance coming back first. Okay, Repentance means to turn away from the earlier way of life and then faith towards God. You accept the free mercy of God and choose now to be led by God. You cannot have one without the other. And one of the reasons Christianity became so weak and compromised is because repentance became a bad word. But let me make it very bluntly. There is absolutely no salvation without repentance. It's not possible. You cannot go in two directions at the same time. It is not possible. You're going this way in the world and you want to go to heaven. It's not possible. The world is headed towards destruction. It's headed towards destruction. And Satan is the ruler of this world. He's taking everyone with him. So when you are getting saved, there are two acts that kind of go together. One is repentance from. Okay, you will see on the day uh, Peter preached, uh, the first cry is, what should we do? Hmm. Okay, yes. let's go there. What's What should we do? 238. Sow? Okay, 238. No, they ask. And it's a it's a very clear question. Now, what should we do? Yeah, got it? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Okay. There is this, there is truth in it, but that truth can be miscrewed by people who say that you can't do anything about your salvation. Mm -hmm. It is entirely the work of God, which is true. But there is something which we have to do. So that is the question that is asked. The day the church actually officially begins in the public arena, the first question is, what shall we do? And Jesus is not saying you cannot do anything. He said there, there's something which you need to do. That is repent. Okay. That is the act of the man or the woman, the child that takes you to salvation. There is one act we have to do. We have to repent. Okay. First time we repent in the whole concept about sin. That my life was in opposition to God. It was. It's the acts that leads to death. dead death. All the acts were leading. Even my righteous acts were leading me to death. Meaning I was putting, it's not the righteous acts is leading to death. My trust in them is leading me into death. 
No, that's the problem of the righteousness that comes by the law. And good people struggle with this concept of salvation. And they need to repent. When we say you have to repent from your good works, it's not to say you should stop doing good works. You should stop putting your trust in it. It's a very dangerous thing. Okay, no, no. Ultimately, God will have mercy on me because I have done so much good. God says, no. It simply doesn't work like that. And everybody knows that simply by the premise of law on earth. Any court you go, they are not looking at your good works. They look at what you have been charged for. What you are charged for. Where have you violated the law? That's the charge sheet. And it's not the good works they are looking at. Okay? Not the good works. So, when you before go before God also, he's not looking at your good works. He's looking at your sin factor. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, when he talks about Everywhere you will see that's an act. What shall we do? And Peter doesn't say you don't have to do anything. When they were talking about the works of Jesus Christ, we also want to do your works. Tell us, he says, no, no, no. This is the first work you have to do. You have to believe in the work of the Son of Man. Amen. <laughs> okay, he says, after that you will do works. So that's a different concept altogether. Okay, by grace alone, grace alone, grace alone is absolutely true. Meaning you can repent as much as you want, that doesn't mean you will be saved. Salvation is the supernatural act of God. Redemption is the supernatural act of God. What is my part in it? I have to acknowledge my ways were wrong. And I'm not going to put any trust in my good works. Any trust in my good works. That good works which you did and the discipline of doing good works, God will use it. But you're no longer putting trust in it. You're not putting in a religion puts your trust in good works. That is how you will be balanced out, you think. It does not work like that. So that's the first thing. Okay? Repentance is the work that we do. Redemption is what God does. And then repentance will be continuous in your life. Repentance is connected with the amount of knowledge you get. The more you hear the word of God and the more the Holy Spirit starts convicting you, showing you, okay, what you did is wrong or what you did was right, your attitude was wrong. Your motives was wrong. Your intention was wrong. So you will see it will all the, because this is the fight. It's the fight of faith. Okay, so repentance is continuous. You will repent, keep on repenting. But that repentance is different from the first repentance. Yes. Okay? Yes. The first repentance is repentance from Total, dead works. Total shift. Yes. You're being saved. Mm. You're coming out of it. The continuous repentance is a repentance towards righteousness. Amen. More and more righteousness. Okay? So this and the continuous repentance are different. Oh, should I keep repenting? That does, that does it mean I am not saved? No. You are saved. A saved person also keeps on Repent, repenting as yes. he is being shown. Yes. As he is being shown. God doesn't show you everything in one yes. day because nobody can handle it. Yes. We, we cannot digest that information nor do we have the strength to change in one day. Okay? So it's a process of repenting. So you have redemption. You have repentance. Mm -hmm. And when you mm -hmm. repent and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, okay, you put trust only in the work which he has done, something supernatural takes place. That's what the Bible says. And again, First Peter, okay, First Peter, it says, <coughs> chapter 2, which first chapter 1 and uh, 23. For you have been born again. So that's the term we are talking about. You, you were born in the flesh and blood by your parents. No, coming together, you have been born. Now you have been born again spiritually. So the same word is used over there. 
what gives birth to a child it is a seed mm. of the man mm. the seed of the man and the seed of the woman comes together you have a child here now spiritually the same thing is happening the word of god and the spirit of god comes together in your spirit and you're born again in the spirit now it is not a perishable seed that seed will ultimately lead to death every man will ultimately die but when you are born again of god you will never die the spiritual person never dies but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of god meaning how did it all start it only starts by preaching hmm. you have to hear the word of god okay that's why we preach jesus christ we preach salvation that is the gospel what is the gospel the gospel is the good news that no man has to die again Amen. you don't have to die and go to hell god has made a way for and the way is jesus christ jesus christ is not showing you a way religion show ways but it's all left on you keep doing good deep doing deep good you will never know when you will be good enough but you have to keep doing it jesus christ didn't show that he said i am the way you come through this is what happened it's something that happens inside okay something that happens inside and then that is the born again so simple because the kids over kids in the spiritual kids over here the question is you will know inside you will know inside what what happens and don't look at older believers and feel bad and all okay you don't have to feel bad it's a process of growing but one of the fundamental things which i when i used to teach in the old days with this semi illiterate crowds and all i used to tell them that when you have a baby when you have a baby you know when you have a baby one of the first things you hear is the baby cries okay and the baby has to be fed mm. the baby has to be fed that's that is absolutely okay and lot of mothers will call and say no no milk it doesn't matter just feed the baby because what is the term you say cholesterol what cholesterol, comes, huh? cholesterol actually yeah. yeah that's the diet yeah, that's a term that rich in cholesterol yeah. yeah rich in cholesterol that's what the baby needs because all the antibodies and everything which will sustain you meaning the first milk of the mother is very important to the child yes it's it actually sustains it for a lifetime prepares it so the and many of us wandered because we got saved through different people but we were not fed what we should have been fed in the beginning that's why you should always thank god if you got a good bible believing church founded that's what you will see in the book of acts all those who believed repented believed got baptized they steadfastly came for the apostles teaching they were being fed spiritual cholesterol mm. then after a season's persecution but they all came through persecution because they had been prepared for for life okay so the teaching matter so the first thing there is hunger please remember notice whether you are born again first peter chapter 2 verse 2 1 and 2 let's put 1 and 2 because this is the repent therefore rid yourself of all malice deceit hypocrisy envy slander of every kind what is he talking about as you actually start hearing the word of god the holy spirit will show you this is not a 5 year old child getting saved it's a 25 year old person or 40 year old person getting saved okay at any age 18 19 whatever age you are getting saved so god says you will say get rid of all this that's a repentance part and then what does it say like newborn babies craves pure spiritual milk that you may grow up in your salvation you are saved now you have to grow up 
So the first thing you have to identify is that these are the real symptoms or not symptoms, signs of born again. You'll be hungry for the word of God. You'll be hungry for the word of God. Okay? You'll be hungry. And that always happens to people when they are born again. You're hungry for the word of God. And then after a season when the hunger goes, it only means, doesn't mean you have lost your salvation. You have a spiritual malady. You have spiritual sickness. You know, when you fall sick in the physical body, you lose your appetite. Yes. You lose your appetite. Okay, and one of the common days, you know, like old days when we went to doctors, you no, know, it was not like hundred tests today with all the machines. They first like check your tongue and they'll ask, uh, "Do you eat?" Okay, how is your appetite? Simple questions they asked. One of the first things you notice is check your appetite. Check your appetite. Okay, that means you have a spiritual sickness. Mm. You have a spiritual. So food is important. So scripture says. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. salvation. Okay, Sammy, I'm giving you a job, okay, but that is your media job, but you can take help from somebody else. Go back into our entire website of 13 years, 12 and a half years, and look at teaching that is good for beginners. Make a list of it and give it to me. So we can send it to our young people around, young, Believers all around and say, go through this list. Listen to the, huh? Yeah, the foundations. We have a foundation series, okay? Go through that foundation series because some of the messages, you get saved and you hear a message we preach from here, it frightens you. But we cannot uh, change the messages, okay? But we have foundation series and we would uh, ask you to go through the foundation series so that you grow up in your salvation. But let me tell you, tell you something. Spiritual growth is not, uh, like physical growth. A child to grow, okay, child to grow physically, it takes a lot of time. But spiritually, no. You can grow in height like, uh, President Trump's youngest son. Mm-hmm. He's 14 years old and 6'7". Okay, you can grow like that. I thought his father was tall at 6'3". This youngest son is 6'7". And you can shoot like that in the spiritual realm. Really shoot like that. Okay. And go, go far ahead of the others who have started ahead of you. And that's how Paul, Saul of Tarsus shoots ahead of all the apostles and works harder and knows more and receives more revelation and probably is the, the most acclaimed among the apostles if you look into the word of God. So there is no restriction. You don't have to look at a time factor. Okay, it only depends upon your dedication. So there is food. It's important. There is food. You have to be fed the word of God. Second thing you realize is that this happened in Soviet Union. The old communist tyrannical regimes only will do these kind of experiments. They actually did an experiment when a a set of 50 babies were taken. Okay, 25 babies were separated from their parents for a month. And kept in a lab kind of a situation where they were monitored, fed, everything, but left alone. And 25 babies with their mothers. At the end of 30 days, they looked. The 25 babies were isolated from their families, did not grow well. Did not grow well. They had a lot of issues, a lot of issues. They actually did it. So you will see for every child to grow normally, God puts a child in a loving family, a loving family. 
protection, care, affection, child's needs, lots of kisses and lots of hugs and lots of this thing. So, you know, so lot of that, no. So God has put the church over there. The church over there, okay. So how we deal with new believers in our church, weak believers and the strong believers are different. We are gentle with the new and we will give a rebuke to the old. Okay, so the older one shouldn't feel upset the way you d- we deal with the younger ones. You're very gentle with them. Okay, very gentle with them. And that's what you will see. Jesus is very gentle with the new ones. Very, very. That's what it says. A smoking flax you will not put off. Or a bruised reed. Okay, but you need a family. You will never grow spiritually. It's my own personal example. Because I came through an evangelical group into the kingdom of God, which is non-denominational. And because of that reason, they never preached about the church. So I had no church. For years, so the first eight years of my life, I really did not have a church. Okay, so I was, I became more of a self-taught kind of a person who had to read and read and read on my own. But imagine, I, I was good at reading, but imagine if I had been a believer who did not read. I think I would have just fallen away. I did not have the discipline of reading. Honestly, that saved me. That discipline of reading saved me because otherwise I would have just then I came to Hyderabad and then I found a church and I heard preaching, real preaching and I saw the church and then I understood the importance of the church and then it took a different shift and within a year or two, two years, three years I was in ministry. So the church is a family and God is the father. You need milk, you need family. So please remember you need a family of believers, a family of believers where all kind of things will take place. There's loving, There's encouragement, there is discipline, there is rebuke. All these things take place in a family. Okay, all these things are family. And then family, one of the fundamental things. Can we go to Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 39, 40? No, he's preaching. Yeah, he warned them. Come down. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Okay, we are not getting into baptism today. 3,000 were. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, meaning they are hungry and they are eating, drinking the milk of God's word. And the second thing, to fellowship. Mm. That's a family. A family, the fundamental thing about a family is fellowship. Mm. Because you can even eat in a restaurant alone. Okay? You can eat in a restaurant. Like I ate in a restaurant for eight years. Okay? Eight years. On my own. Literally for eight years, no? just a little fellowship. But the second part was not there, the family of God. Okay, so The second part is put is over there is the fellowship. Okay, The so family is important. You drink, you eat, you have a family of God to which you belong, you are accountable. And then the third part is that even though the child drinks milk and it has a family, parents, siblings to mentor it, the third part is there, the child has to move. The child does not, and one of the first things is the child starts moving. The child does not move like we have in our special needs home children who hardly move. So, no, hardly move. I see them in the camera in the morning, how they are being carried, two people to carry, because Chandu has grown now. Amalu is easy to carry. Chandu is getting heavier and heavier, and I see two people carrying him to be taken to the, he needs a special chair to be put, to be bathed. Brought, okay, so what has happened to that child? Is that child alive? Yes. Does it have a family that takes care of him? Yes. But is he functional in the kingdom of God? No. 
because he is not able to move. Mm. Okay, there's one movement in the Bible for us to be useful in the kingdom. The righteous shall walk by faith. We have to walk by faith. If we don't walk by faith, we can have the best family on earth. We can drink and eat the best food in in the church, and we don't take our steps by faith. We still will not function. We are alive. We are good. We are alive. But we are not functional in the kingdom of God. And everybody in the Bible who was used by God, you will see one term attached to their name. By faith. faith. By faith. Okay, by faith. To be functional, you need exercise. The exercise prescribed in the spiritual realm yes. for yes. the child of God is, let's have it, Second Corinthians 5, 7. Walk okay. of faith. It is the walk of faith. Mm. Hallelujah. Will it's actually a walk of faith. We walk by faith and and not by sight. Okay, you have to take that steps and you will suddenly realize you're developing spiritual muscles. Mm. You'll fall a few times. That's okay. Get up and you start walking. And before you know you realize your walk has become steady. Amen. The spiritual has become steady. Okay? So these three things a fundamental. I hope the young kids, young ones, you know, I hope you understood what is redemption. That's how God, Jesus bought for us in his righteousness because we sold ourselves into sin. He had to buy us back from the devil. Okay, he broke the power of the devil over us, that price. Repentance is we turn away from our old way of life. New birth is what God does and that new birth is called born again. Okay, that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. We are born in flesh and blood. Now we are born in the spirit. And then we got saved. When he got saved, be sure, one way or other, you belong to a family of God. And then the process begins. But don't put it in the same. You can really, really grow fast. Really, really grow fast. You don't have to waste your time. Wait for 17 years. Like a boy can grow up to 21 years before his growth stops. Okay, a girl is up to 16, 17, and she stops growing. But that's, you don't have to wait 17 years. Actually, in the Bible, it's three years. Three years. The Bible says three years, and then I look for fruit. You should be able to teach the word of God to others. Three years is the time limit given. And even Paul, when he comes out, it's after three years. The apostles were given a three-year turning uh, of training by God. Okay, three years. That's why Bible college is usually three years. Mm, hallelujah. Uh, Pastor, yes. uh, uh, in line with what you already said, I think question number 11 will be relevant. It says, how do we know we are doing things right now? We are doing the right things now that are important to us. Question number 11. How do we know that we are doing things right now? See, can I go to Romans twelve? Not 13, sorry. 12 to, 12 to, around 13. <clears throat> Do not be confirmed to this world, this world. One of the first decisions you need to make is that get away from the world patterns. Don't look for guidance from the world. Mm. You see, there are so many counselors in the world today. Okay. And there are some are big, big names. I listen to some of them, their clips and all, their Sadhguru and all kind of characters. One thing I have found common with every one of them is they all steal from the Bible yeah. and put it across as their own. Okay. Counsel is very easy. The counsel is from Christ. Counsel doesn't save you. Christ does. 
ಹೇ ಕ್ರೈಸ್ಟ್ ದಾಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ವುಡ್ ಪ್ರಿಫರ್ ಕೌನ್ಸಲ್ ವಿತ್ಔಟ್ ಕ್ರೈಸ್ಟ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಕ್ರೈಸ್ಟ್ ಡಿಮಾಂಡ್ಸ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ದ ಕೌನ್ಸಲ್ ಇಸ್ ಫ್ರೀ ಓಕೆ ಸೊ ಬೈಬಲ್ ಸೇಸ್ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ ಡು ನಾಟ್ ಬಿ ಕನ್ಫರ್ಮ್ ಟು ದಿಸ್ ವರ್ಲ್ಡ್ ವರ್ಲ್ಡ್ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ದಿ ಪ್ಯಾಟರ್ನ್ಸ್ ದಿ ಐಡಿಯಾಸ್ ಬಟ್ ಬಿ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ರಿನ್ಯೂಂಗ್ ಆಸ್ ಯುವರ್ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಇಸ್ ಬೀಂಗ್ ರಿನ್ಯೂಡ್ ಯು ವಿಲ್ ಅಂಡರ್ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ ಬೆಟರ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಬೆಟರ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರೈಟ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರಾಂಗ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರೈಟ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಹೋಲ್ ವರ್ಲ್ಡ್ ಸಿಸ್ಟಮ್ ಇಸ್ ಏಮ್ ಟುವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಲೈಕ್ ಡಲ್ಲಿಂಗ್ ನೋ ದಟ್ ಲೈನ್ ವೆರಿ ಲೈನ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಒನ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ರೀಸನ್ಸ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಡು ನಾಟ್ ನೋ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರೈಟ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ರಾಂಗ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಈಸ್ಲಿ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಬಿ ಮ್ಯಾನಿಪುಲೇಟೆಡ್ ಇಸ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಲ್ಯಾಕ್ ಆಫ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ವರ್ಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಗಾಡ್ ವರ್ಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಗಾಡ್ the word of god never changes it is forever settled in the mid meaning that is how god is that's how god looks at what is right and what is wrong like let's let's be open about it but the most shocking news of last week it's not the elections in us it's what the documentary of the pope that has come out where he says we should allow same sex unions now this is totally antithetical to the catholic dogma among the different groups in christianity the toughest on sexuality reproductive rights and whatever they call it is the catholic church because she even doesn't accept uh, contraceptives birth control that's how tough they are for almost 2000 not that many years but almost 2000 years of their history they have celebrated celibacy and now in 2020 for the head of the church which no pope ever before would dare to say is talking about same sex union okay which is an abomination not homosexuals are an abomination homosexuality is an abomination our job is to save them hmm. to preach the gospel so they can be saved from judgment okay you can struggle with homosexuality but when you get into some homosexual union you are doomed you are doomed okay we'll say the same thing about fornication adultery okay we but we cannot put all these three in the same plane all are evil but one is more evil why is homosexuality more evil than fornication or adultery homosexuality goes against the very tenet of marriage between one man and a woman hmm unlike fornication or adultery fornication adultery is still sinning against the concept about union between a man and a woman while this goes against the concept about a union between because basic unit union is being disrupted okay so you need to realize the three at the one plane are sexual sins but it's not the same yes it's not the same one is like sinning against the marriage the other is breaking the very definition of marriage so you have to look at it is not the same so so you have to realize what is right and wrong how do we understand right and wrong we are growing in it it is by the renewing of our mind renewing of our mind and as we renew our mind through the word of god and the spirit of god constant you have to have both otherwise you will become legalistic mm-hmm. you have to have both the spirit and the word the word and the spirit you may prove meaning you will understand you clearly start understanding what is good what is acceptable that is pleasing and what is perfect we we'll go through that and as you grow in the word of god what has happened is that you have to move can i have that in niv so that makes it a little little um, more simpler to understand okay what is the good pleasing and the perfect will of god okay sometimes we do the good at the cost of what is pleasing 
Okay? Okay? Feeding the poor is good. Hmm. Healing the sick is good. Delivering people is good. But what if at that point of time, it was not the will of God for you? Yes. Hmm. And often we compromise or we sacrifice the pleasing will of God for the good. So this is a process. You don't have to worry about it. All you have to be is in tune with the Holy Spirit like Jesus was. That's what we looked at Mark chapter Mark 1. one yes. Right? He preached. He said, what authority? He cast out demons. They said, what kind of a doctrine is this? Demons. He healed the sick. And then early morning he goes, he prays. He hears from God. The entire town is gathered at the door of the house where he lived. And he walks away. Why would he walk away? The answer is found in John 8 and verse 29. I think it's 829. Yeah? Oh, it hasn't come. The one who sent me is with me. He has never left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. He's not saying, see, the religious man always want to do good things. Okay, good things. That's the first step of it. Do good. See, don't do evil. Do good. Hmm? Evil harms. Do good. But that's not enough. The second step is not just not to do good. Do what pleases him. Do what pleases him. So he says, when you do what pleases him, you're going, going beyond good. Mm. Now it's connected with God. So you've experienced the presence of God. Now if Jesus had refused the voice of the Holy Spirit on that day morning and gone with the disciples, so many people would have been healed and delivered. He's doing good. The Bible says he went around doing good. good. Yes. He's doing good. But that day would have not have experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was a gift working. A lot of people prefer the gift working than God presence with them and working with them. You look at Mark, how it, if I'm right, Mark 16. Either it's Mark or it is John. Sorry, it's Matthew. Yeah, 20. Mark 16, 20. NIV, can I continue in Mark NIV? Okay. The disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them. It's not as a gift worked in them. The Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The Lord worked with them. Now they are co-laborers with God. Peter is preaching. God is with him. Peter uh, prays over the sick. God heals them. It is working together. You see, you can, you can have both. You can work with just a gift without the Lord working along with you. Or you can use the gift with the Lord working and confirming it. Okay, So that is what is come to pleasing. So good is good. But you have to go beyond good. You have to go to pleasing. Then it's not enough. You have to go to what is perfect. That doesn't come always. Okay, It will come one or two times in your life. Like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He's going beyond good to pleasing to the perfect will of God. Perfect will of God. To Abraham it happens on Mount Moriah. Happens to Mount Moriah. Okay, so But we have to reach there. We'll have to reach there where finally we reach the perfect will of God for us. And finish that way. I guess that's enough for that question. Yep. <clears throat> so, so in line with that, so how do we answer question 10 which says, how do we know that we are making a sacrifice or are we sacrificing? In sacrifice, there is always a cost that is involved. It's, it's Samuel, uh, it's David who Second makes that uh, 
statement. Second uh, Samuel 24. 20, if I'm right, 24, 20. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, 24, 24, 24. Yeah, not 24, 20, 24, 24. Mm-hmm. The king, okay, that's when uh, the, the, you remember the plague that came, God's judgment, so many people died and God wanted to stay his hand and, uh, the prophet told him offer a sacrifice and the man where his uh, threshing floor where this uh, judgment ended said, king, take everything free. Mm. Okay, <laughs> and the king said, no, this is a sacrifice. How can a sacrifice be free? It has to cost you something. It has to cost you. He says, no. For I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God bond offering that cost me nothing. So how do you know what is a sacrifice and how do you know you are sacrificing? It will cost you. It will cost you. It will cost you. Okay, it will cost you. Meaning, how, why were we saved? Because God paid the price. The price. It was a sacrifice. The, his atonement on the cross was a sacrifice. God sacrificed his son. The son voluntarily sacrificed himself. And he offered himself through the spirit. So the triune God was involved in a sacrifice to save us. Okay, sacrifice to save us. So our entire life, you know, uh, and uh, Romans 12, 1, it begins there. It is called as a sacrifice. Hmm? 12, 1. No? I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, it's a living sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. The Holy Spirit will ask you. It will show you. And you have to choose. Mm. You'll choose. Okay, you will have to choose every day. He will show if you are. Finally, when you are led by the Holy Spirit, He will show you. And whatever you sh- He shows you, if you go to Galatians 5. With such sacrifices. 5 and verse 17. Okay. Yeah, 5 verse 17. The sinful nature decides what is contrary to the spirit, okay? And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful, that is the flesh. The flesh fights against the spirit, the spirit. So as soon as the spirit shows something, opposition rises from within. Mm. You don't have to look even outside. It will start automatically, but the flesh doesn't like sacrifice. (laughs) Flesh doesn't. Flesh will sacrifice for the world. If she knows there is profit in it, the flesh will sacrifice money, name, reputation. Now, all those things, pleasure, the flesh will sacrifice. The flesh will sacrifice. Mm. Okay? The flesh will. Not that there is no sacrifice in the flesh. But the flesh will sacrifice where there is profit for the flesh. Mm. Yes. Profit for the flesh. That's why we have to look at it very, very careful about it. Because this is a subtle trap. I put it a simple example. Let's say you wake up tomorrow morning and the Holy Spirit says, fast today. First question is to ask how many meals? <laughs> okay? Let's say the Holy Spirit says two meals. Then you realize tomorrow there is lunch at church. So you will ask, is it possible? Can I have fast morning, breakfast and dinner? All three. <laughs> The Holy Spirit says no, breakfast and lunch. Oh. Already you are a little miserable. Just lunch, you know, is potluck, all kind of things are coming. Okay, I will. Okay, so you decided, okay, with a little long face, you decide you're going to fast. But your mind is overworking. The fleshly mind is already working what I'm going to have for dinner today. 
what I'm going to, okay? And then you decide, okay? Usually you have, usually let's say on a norm you have dinner at nine. But suddenly you become very legalistic. Today evening sacrifice is at six. <laughs> okay? Because I know, because I, I know this works because I know my fasting is always in the morning at twelve noon, exactly at the dot of noon I have my lunch. Okay, I have my lunch. Because, okay, why should I wait till 1 o'clock or one thirty to have lunch? 12 is when noon begins. <laughs> noon begins. <laughs> noon is beginning. So we are talking about, so okay, so though there is sacrifice, we will try to elevate the sacrifice with. So when you are talking about sacrifice, it will always cost you. It will always cost you. There is a cost. It's a price that is, that is paid. Okay, price that is paid. And as you Go further and further with God, you will realize sacrifice becomes easier. Amen. Easier, okay? Yes. It becomes easier. First is the sacrifice of the body. Okay? Sacrifice. It becomes easier. If you have a lifestyle of fasting, it becomes easy. It's not a very difficult thing to say. It, it, it's, it's simply a question of disciplining your, it's easier to discipline your body than to discipline your mind. Mm. Let me tell you very easily. It's easier oh. to discipline your body than to your mind. Your mind has its mind of its own. Yes. Like it has a mind of its own. Okay. And you have to see how Jesus did. Like we saw that on Thursday, right? Thursday. Yes. Thursday we saw it. Okay. The Jesus did an incredible miracle. Like I told you, that was his biggest miracle community wise. Five thousand plus were fed. The whole community, the entire crowd that was. Imagine, okay, the whole crowd in the wilderness. He fed them all. Nobody was hungry. Everybody ate and was satisfied. And it is in the wilderness. So everybody knew this is a real miracle. There's no shopping mall. There's nothing, no provision there. And he fed them all. And they wanted to make him king. And he just walked away. He sent his disciples in one direction, the crowd in another direction, and he went up. Hmm. Why did he go up? Why did he go to pray? Meaning, he came in the flesh and he's tempted. He's tempted. Adulation of adulation of uh, the crowds. Okay, I wrote to somebody today, be <laughs> careful, do not be moved by the adulation of the crowds. Guard your heart from that. Guard your heart from that. It's the most dangerous thing. The crowd shouts. The crowd shouts. Okay, and That was what upset Saul because Saul was a crowd man. He, you know, people, people, people wanted this. Why you did this thing for the people? He's always looking for the crowd's adulation. David was not. And when the women said, David, Saul has killed his thousands and David has called it ten thousand. It's interesting. It didn't go to David's head at at all. all. Yes. Yes. It didn't bother him at all. It didn't get into his head at all. Why it hit Saul? Hmm. What? He's better than me? Hmm. It hit because he was, that was, you know, he had a big head. It was not only head and shoulders above the rest here, also big head, just full of air. Okay, so you have to be very careful about these things. That is why sometimes when you do incredible works and or God does it through you, God will tell you, walk away. I'm telling you to walk away to protect yourself. Amen. Go, walk away and shut yourself in the closet. Listen to the Spirit of God. That's why I said we don't like YouTube because we are very safe for 12 years. Absolutely safe. Nobody knew us. Nobody only knew our voices. 
and nobody saw us. So it was very safe. It was a very protective cocoon God had put over us. Now you are seen. You are seen. Okay, you don't want to be seen. You don't want to be recognized. You don't want to be. Re- you don't know. You guys haven't come on meetings, big meetings. Big meetings, you go into other countries, you have this big meetings, and after that, they all want selfies with you. And I tell them, hey, why do you want my selfie? What do you want it for me? I'm not a star or anything. No, no, Pastor, please, 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 just want a picture with you. Okay, you don't want. Because, you know, that's the whole world is based on promotions. And you'll have to guard your mind and your heart from it. Always, constantly, that a lot of people fail because of that. They put their trust not in God, but in what God has given them. Amen. That's how Samson went down. He put his trust in his. So he thought, it doesn't apply. I am invincible. Okay, invincible. That's why the invincible guy in Greek mythology is, what is his name? Hercules. <laughs> Meaning? He's clueless. That's what it actually means. He's clueless. <laughs> Ultimately, he becomes clueless. Okay, and Samson also goes down. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful. But sacrifice is there. The sacrifice God demands will be different, different. It always begins with sacrifice. Okay, and leave your father and your household. First call of Abraham is a sacrifice. Go to the land that I'm showing you. It's constant. Ends up with Mount Moriah with the greatest sacrifice. Take your son only. And all the sacrifice is connected with the flesh. It's with the flesh. And he has to go through that process. Throw your son out. And the bond servant. Sacrifice. Okay, so be rigid. So I think question number seven will actually render itself in a very natural way. Therefore, it says, love always protects and it is not self-seeking. Honestly, do you think we are rude Christians sometimes? Don't you think we are also self-seeking sometimes? Let's go to First Corinthians. Okay, <laughs> I mean, First Corinthians, the jam in the sandwich. They call it the jam. 12, jelly, 14, jelly. 14. Sorry, jam for Westerners. I know you don't use call use the term jam. I learned it from my wife. Mm-hmm. She said, "What jam are you talking about?" I said, "Okay, you guys call it jelly. We call it jam. That's why we always are in a jam." We got it? First Corinthians 13. Why I call it jam or jelly is 12 is about gifts, 14 is about gifts, and 13 in between God puts. Okay. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal to all my dear Baptist pastor brothers, including John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. So there are two tongues, tongues of men and tongues of angels. Mm-hmm. And Paul says you can speak in the tongues of angels. Okay, so there is tongues of angels. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I have the gift of prophecy. These are things people want. And can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, these are all things people hunger and strive for. But I have not love. The second, that is, that is stunning. But have not love. I am nothing. Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, meaning I die as a martyr, mm. but have not love, I gain nothing. You can have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit and be nothing. You can die as a martyr and gain nothing. Because martyrdom is there in every religion. 
and even non-religious, even communists have died for their ideology. Mm. Because a martyrdom is not restricted to Christianity. There are martyrs in every cause. Every cause generates its own martyrs. Please remember, I gain nothing. What is the difference of the Christian martyrs? It's they loved God and they loved their persecutors. Wow. They loved. Love is what changed the martyrdom of Christianity. And then, four says, that is where it comes. Love is? Patient. Patient. Let's go with his question number. Uh, se- seven, Pastor. Seven, right? And mm. six and seven. Seven together, actually. Love is uh, patient and love is kind. And then, love, uh, if you come further down, okay, we'll read it. It is proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And it also says it love protects. Okay? It's, it's sevens. Yeah, it always protects. So let's go back to that. Love is kind. Okay. Why this is so important is, is because lot of conflicts in relationships. Let's begin at the, begin at a family side. Okay. Husband, wife, then parents, children, siblings, church. It goes. So much conflict is happening and much of the conflicts in relationships is based on love and a misunderstanding of what real love is because we've been bombarded by the false love, false love of the world. Like people like me who grew up on Hindi movie songs, okay, thank God my wife is American and she does not understand Hindi at all because if I were to sing those songs to her, she would laugh at me. <laughs> she has no clue what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Because every song I know in my head, back down memory, bank is all Hindi songs on this thing. And all songs are love songs. But the problem is there's only little truth in those songs. And because we have been bombarded and grew up in that culture, we come with expectations which are false. Expectations which are false. Our expectations itself are false. We live in a false reality. It is a bubble. Mm. Mm. That's why uh, marriage is an eye-opener. Love is blind. <laughs> love is blind. Love is blind and marriage is the eye opener. Okay? okay. And usually it is like the can opener and it's a can of worms. Okay. You open. Okay. Expiry date is gone and it's a can of worms. But God allows these things to happen to see that, okay, understand what is love. The first thing scripture says is love is patient. We are all in the process of growing. We are all growing. Nobody really knows who we are. We ourselves do not know what we are. We are. There's only one ideal person. It is God. So the first thing Bible says is, love is patient, and yet love is kind. Okay, love is kind. Okay. Now some of the questions which I ask uh, people when they counseling is that, you know, especially complaints are usually from the fairer, weaker sex. Because God made them emotional. That's the reason they are. Okay, they are emotional. That's why they are weaker. Emotions is not strength unless it is your servant. If it is a forefront, you are a weak person. If an angry person is not a strong person, it's a weak person because anger is leading that, okay? So, I usually ask them these simple questions, you know? And usually they say, no. I said, is your husband violent? No. Is he shout at you? Uh, only if I shout at him. I said, okay. And then, 
then does he get everything for you? Yes, he does. So what's your problem? Because they don't have, they haven't understood the first thing of genuine love is, love is kind. Your husband is actually a kind man, or your wife is a very kind person. What's your problem? The problem is your, your mind is full of movies, and he doesn't run around a tree with you. He's not a running kind. Or she doesn't run around a tree with you. Not the running kind. <laughs> okay? See, the problem is you got married after watching so many movies and you want the girl to run around <laughs> with you. And she's not the running kind and he's not the running kind. But the whole question you need to ask is that, is my husband kind? Is my wife kind? Do you know you got a good deal in your home? You got a kind husband. You got a kind wife. Okay, and what kind of a husband is he? Okay, I irritate him a lot and then he gets angry. Do you know he's patient? Hmm. Or she's patient? You throw your tantrums and all and that and she still serves you? She still serves you? Do you see that you got your misconceptions? Everything? Do you understand? No, or you are a father and your children irritate you, irritate you, irritate you. You don't beat them up and you don't lose it like that. Mm. You are firm with them. Do you realize you have a kind father or a kind mother who will discipline you, but they don't lose it? You know? So that's what the Bible is talking about. Okay, Bible is talking about. So we need to realize and then no, we'll just stick to that. Okay, and in our in our web series we have an entire series it's on the love series. series. Okay. So love is kind and it is it is kind, it is not rude. That is verse five. It is not rude. Okay? It is not rude and it protects. Love always protects. And sometimes we do not realize. See we don't understand what really love is. I'm telling you. The, the greatest damage we do to ourselves is that because we do not understand what really love is and God is love, we don't appreciate God. We don't appreciate God. Because the actual person who is the manifestation of what real love is, is God. Mm. And this is what God is. God is not rude. God is not rude. Okay, And God is not Mm self-seeking. When he tells us to do something, it is not for his own sake. It is for our sake. Okay? It is for our sake. God God is good. God is righteous. And God, uh, in His love, He disciplines us. He disciplines us. He's not, okay? When, honestly, putting, let me change my terms a little. He's the only one who can be self-seeking without being selfish. Because there is not a bone, selfish bone in Him. Mm. That's English terminology, okay? It's not one selfish bone in Him. Okay. He's the only one who can be self-seeking without absolutely being selfless. Meaning, he's the only one who can tell Peter, do this. And he's not seeking his own good. He leads me in paths of righteousness for, for his, his name's sake. That he's selfless. Because he's he's the epitome of righteousness and holiness. So he will say, do this. 
so that you can become like me. Okay? So we need to understand. That's what it means about God. He's not self-seeking. But we are. Because the flesh is there. This conflict is always there. So even when we, we, that's when I counsel parents with minor children. I still have it in my, in my Bible right there. Okay? Points to discipline. You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. Otherwise you give wrong signals. You are, you are disciplining a behavior. You're disciplining a behavior. You, therefore you have to be consistent when the child exhibits that behavior. You don't condone it today because you are in a good mood and then you discipline them tomorrow because you are in a bad mood. God does not have mood swings. Consistent. Okay, you have to be consistent about these things. So you need to understand that God is consistent in His discipline. Mm. Consistent in His discipline. Because that's the nature of His love. Mm. And He's not being rude. He's being honest. He's being honest. Okay, so even in relationship, husbands and wives in relationship, you have to listen very carefully. Because if you have a husband who is righteous or a wife who is righteous, listen carefully. Because they will be always consistent. And when they are consistent with their, with their spouse on one thing, they are saying, I can't change the standards. Amen. Amen. I cannot change the standards. This yes. is the standard yes. set by God. When I am trying to correct you in that same area, that does not mean I don't love you. I love you. I love you. But after a period of time, if you refuse to change, what does God do? He leaves you alone. Hmm. What will the spouse do? The spouse will also ultimately leave you alone. And just pray and leave you alone. So you need to understand about what love is because so much confusion in relationships in homes in churches everywhere is because we will bombarded 24-7 with wrong idea of love and it's all feelings it's all feeling based it is not truth based okay so the Bible talks about there is there is truth in love and you want a love without truth it will not work and these are the fundamental things. I like the way it begins. Love is kind and love is patient. Or KJV will say, suffers long. Right? It suffers long. It suffers long. Yet it is kind. And it does not. And it protects. It protects. But remember, the autonomy of free will is that it can protect you only to a certain point. When our children are small, we can protect them. Put barriers. Okay, then they get sneaky and try to do things behind your back. But after some time, the protective hedge is gone because they have come to the age of accountability. And then what do you do? You have to do what you have to do. And you have to, and they will think that you are being rude, you are being unkind, but you are being kind. You are being kind. I mean, and these are simple examples I use. Like, let's say COVID-19 is around. Okay, You have five children. One kid gets COVID-19. Immediately put that child in isolation. Are you being kind to that child? Yes. Are you being kind to the others? Absolutely. You are. Mm. You are. And you yourself isolate from that child. Okay? But the child may think you are being very cruel to me. You know? So God does that. We'll see God does that. He protects that. No, so we have to understand what love is. Otherwise, we will never understand 
what relationships are because so many relationships are based on false understanding of what love is yes pastor i think it will render itself naturally into question number 12 pastor 12 it says the wife is supposed to be the helpmate of the husband in a situation where the wife is working and there are children involved would the wife be wrong in expecting the husband to share in the responsibilities of the children at the home question 12 okay this is a constant feature that keeps on coming up from everywhere okay uh let me put it across this is not a firm this is something which has to be tackled between a husband and a wife also will differ situations with expect i mean how it can be work practically worked out depend also will depend upon your income let us say pastor vijay and uh, jasant they have two small kids okay and both are working let's say let's uh, reverse their life to let's say five six before he came into ministry he's a prof she's a manager in the mnc company they both are busy and they got two small children okay or the both uh, in so you always invest your money in a good maid it's the only way out okay now change the pattern around the wife is working and the, see that's what i said you cannot give a blanket rule you have to see how it how it works out the wife is working and say the husband is not working okay then automatically if you have it has to be an absolute mutual understanding actually mutual understanding and i always talk to the wife first by saying honey you are the one who is working okay anywhere everywhere you are the one who is working but that doesn't change god's order the order is he's still the head so before you go out to work sit together pray together and make that decision because it should not destroy your marriage the most dangerous things that can happen can destroy your marriage so be very prayerful about it because it gives you a lot of autonomy and in the physical realm an order is being changed spiritual realm the order is never the same it's still the same so you have to work it out your husband tend to the man the thing is that he definitely has to help in the house but the problem is we men we men okay 1 2 3 5 6 men here we men are different depending upon how we, we grew up okay and especially in an indian system indian system though our names are different in most homes we are raj meaning we are <laughs> raj okay meaning we are named even if we are nom- named raj we are treated like that okay? that's the indian system you no know? like i know my father my father <laughs> very grew up as far as i can remember what he told me is that he never even saw the kitchen they were not even allowed to enter into that area men were not even supposed to go there they were always served hmm. okay that's how patriarchy when it comes down 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 it goes down to that level where men are on a pedestal and they are served okay so therefore what happens is like my father <laughs> when he retired and he came home he didn't know even how to make chai to heat his own water he did not know he didn't know how to make you know, he was up and my mom was still working and that is a man 
he had no clue. So if you were to ask my father to help in the home, it would have been a disaster. Okay. He was good with the children. He, oh, a lot of stuff I learned, I learned from him. He was very good with the children at home. But when you step out of the house and he's going, one of the things I've heard is that he wouldn't carry any child. Because he says, I don't want to mess the creases on my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, so it's a different picture, okay? So I would say this is not a, you have to know your man. Okay, you have to know your man and be very, very, uh, sure that your expectations meet his abilities. <laughs> and he's pointing towards me. <laughs> okay, okay, a lot of people in my church, especially the mothers, don't look at me. Okay? Don't look at me and expect that from your husband. I love children. I love children. Okay, I can spend hours with children. Even like when I'm telling you, my wife, when Madhulika came over and I took over, she said, okay, I'm not waking up in the morning. <laughs> she told me very clearly. I'm not going to do all this stuff, okay? Because that's what I said, no issues. No issues. I can handle it. I have no issues. Mm-hmm. She used to wake up before me. Feeding, bathing, cleaning, diaper, combing, and all those are never an issue for me. So don't get with that idea, okay? Don't expect that from Raj, okay? Please handle it, okay? Don't, okay? You don't want your daughter to be with a hair tied up by Raj, okay? Even take her to the barber and cut her hair. I can't do this, okay? So don't expect it, okay? Our expectations have to be realistic. But, what I would tell the man is that, see how you can help out in the house. See what you can do in the house. There are a lot of stuff which you can do for which you... Let me tell you, always I'll deflate the woman a little also through this. Much of the work which the woman does, what she has, which God is God-given naturally to woman is with a child. Woman has a lot of patience, mm. which usually men do not have. You know, all men do not have that patience. Okay, so men come with little patience. God has given the woman much patience because she is supposed to rear up the children. So there what happens is that the men have to see is that how can I help in the house? And much of the house chores, as we call it, the work is, let me tell you, is mechanical. If you got an engineering in a mechanical degree in engineering, you can be a very good uh, house help. <laughs> <laughs> much of, including cooking. Cooking, washing, cleaning, swabbing. You talk about the actual work in the house, it's a very mechanical work. Okay, very mechanical work. And you will see that when men get into it and start liking it, they do it better than women. Because it's a very mechanical work for which brains are not needed after a point. Mm. That's why the best cooks in the world are all men. All men. So we expect women to cook in our homes. You look anywhere in the world. Best cooks, the chefs, all are men. The uh-huh. best are men. It's a very so. Why are the best cooks men? Because they brought their brains into a mechanical thing, and they start innovating, and they start coming out with you know. So, so men cannot make excuses. And the other thing I said, I always tell is that you can bring order. If you bring order into your life, so many things. So it's multitasking like I do. I came here in the morning. It's three days I came in the wrong and did my entire wash. And I listened to a message. So it's not a big thing at all. You can do it all. Okay, You can do it all. You finish your sweeping, your swapping, all technical works. 
like a man can make a woman's life very easy if you are in a house, to a bedroom house or to a bedroom or a watching house, very easy. By one hour he spends in devotions, you know. You see, you can pray and do your work. You can sweep, you can swap, put a wash, hang it all. That's what I did. I did it all when my kids were small. Everything, diaper, everything. Those days we didn't have, what do you call, disposable diapers. They were all cloth. Okay. So it was like 50 diapers out in the morning and evening. Everything is done. And it doesn't take much time. It doesn't take much time if you have discipline. So men can really make life easy for their wife if they choose to. And after some time you will realize that you know what? You have to have the discipline of consistently doing it for a week, 10 days, 1 month. I will tell you, you will actually start like doing it. Actually start like doing it. You ask my wife at home, in the night when I go back, every dish is washed by me. Even Siri will come and dump it because I told don't do it. Because if you do it, you mess up my system. I don't want you doing this. Leave it there. And I said, I get irritated sometimes the way you do stuff. Because it actually, that there is a system. And after that, your discipline sets in. Because I don't like greasy stuff getting into the wash basin. You have to wipe it with a tissue first. Okay. What people do, everything is dumped over there. No, you don't do that. And you use the same sponge for it. So what happens? The greasy one and the glass is done with the same thing. And then you wonder why is your glass smelling? Smelling. No? So I, and after some time that you enjoy it. Okay? Any work you have to learn to enjoy it. Anything. Even the most menial labor you have to learn to enjoy it. Don't, you know? And you know Jesus cooked for his disciples. Okay, he did. Why do you think in the wedding at Kana his mother came to him? Because he knew there's one son I could depend on with the chores in the house. It's a house thing. Why has run out? She comes to him. And you know all his brothers were there. She didn't go to them. She went to him. So don't make it into a big thing. Okay? And I have found with men, the biggest struggle with men is not in cooking or washing. Biggest struggle men face is spending time with their children when they are small. And that's a block and you have to fight it. So the most enjoyable things outside heaven are little children. There's nothing more enjoyable than a baby that is growing up. can give you trouble, but the trouble is forgotten because of the joy they bring. If you go back and when we grow old, you think about that. What is your memory is full of? The memories are full of those children when they were small. The kind of joy they brought you. And men have no, fathers have no idea. No, I get from the mothers in my church with the little baby, they set the pictures, okay? Because of this COVID thing, no? Our Srikanda has to come back, he has to go in and this thing, you know. So he doesn't carry the little one, Atira. So Sopra sends me the picture, Chakka Jam, meaning he shut the door, is inside, and she is lying flat on the floor in front of because the daddy didn't carry her when he came home. So he's protesting outside, okay. It's cute pictures, okay, really, really cute pictures. You don't realize those pictures will last a lifetime. And the biggest block, Actually, I will tell you, the complaints of the mothers in all my life is that. It's not that they don't cook. It's not that they won't do the chores. That is not it. They don't spend time with the kids. They don't take. Because the mother is handling the kids from morning till night. And after that, she gets tired out. The children tire out. 
and the children also want a change of face. They're tired of the mother's face. Okay? <laughs> they also want a change of okay. Have you noticed all the children in the church? If you notice all the children in the church, and I watch the children, they cling to their fathers mm. in the church. You know why? Because they are absent the fathers. Every child clings to the parent that is absent. So they are tired of the one who is always present. Mm. It doesn't miss my eye. You know I don't miss even the little spots on your socks. Okay. <laughs> okay. I watch the children and I know when the children is clinging to the father and carry me, carry me, carry me, carry me, carry me. You know what? The child is missing the father at home. And because child, children are very, they are shaped, born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So they know when it happens in the public forum, the father can't say no. <laughs> because he has to put his best face before the fa- pastor, right? And the church, I'm such a loving father. Right? <laughs> but we know the actual thing. It's not true. So one of the major complaints with the mothers, actual struggle they go through is that, you know, you don't help me. And especially if it's a working mother. Hmm. It's a working mother. So I'll always say you have two choices. One, father should spend time with the children, especially when they are small, before they go on to their friends and all. You need to spend that time. Second thing is that if you can afford it and both of you are working, pray, not invest in any maid. Pray. A good godly maid is worth her weight in gold, hmm. literally. You you know your child, children are safe. Because that's basically the big. It's, it's not a waste. It's an investment. Okay, it's an investment. Okay, so little, little things we learn and we can all, we can make life easy. And then what happens is that when everything starts working together, then you, know, you have your children and the children grow up like Abigail when Pastor Vijay, Justin and the children come home. Abigail loves washing dishes. She loves washing dishes. She wants to wash the dishes, which is a nice thing. A father and a child, they can you know, if you have two children, a father and two children can do the dishes. One father washes the dishes, the next one wipes it, and the third one one puts it away. So you're working like a team. You're working like a team, you know? And that's the whole thing. God doesn't can do everything alone. Have you noticed? And he does nothing alone. <laughs> because he's a family Hallelujah. man. Hallelujah. God can do everything on his own, no? That's his idea of family. So that that's the idea of family. family. But why does he do everything alone? Hallelujah. Even in the Trinity, they work together. Hmm. And then he makes his family or not and he says, let's go up together. Mm-hmm. We are called, imagine, who is Christ? Who are we? And we are called co-laborers. Co-laborers. So you have to work it out where you can actually become, family becomes a team. And there are no egos over there in what work you do. You know, what, there's absolutely no ego there. No, 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 that's beneath me. There's nothing beneath mm. me. And this has showed it to us. There's nothing. Thing menial about yeah, him. Amen. He showed us with his lifestyle. He washed final lessons. No? Final lesson before death, wash the feet. That is kept for the lower servant. Okay? The lower servants are the one he used for his first miracle and he ends his life by doing their work, washing feet. And post resurrection, he cooks. cooks for his mm-hmm. disciples. So there's nothing menial about any of this work. And that's one of the fundamental issues. That's one thing. America really, Western civil, Christian civilization prospered is they found the dignity in, in labor. labor. 
dignity in level. There's a video of uh, President Trump before he became president from the Trump organization, okay? He used to go to his hotels and do a job one day. One day he would be the bartender. Another day he used to be the bellboy. And people do not realize he owns the whole place. So he gets a person, he's dressed up and the customer comes in and he has a bellboy, takes the whole thing over there because he says, I want to experience this. He wants to experience. You see Trump, now who is president, carrying the suitcases of a customer and putting it and taking the tip. They want to experience it all. Okay, experience it all. And now who would expect a billionaire to do that? But that's why they became billionaires. Amen. Okay. They slog, they work, like I said yesterday. Yeah, they forested yesterday night. 11.30 in the night, I'm going to sleep, I'm looking. He's on the phone with the president of Sudan to deal with Sudan and yes, Israel. Okay? Middle East. Mm. And then I wake up in the morning, I'm looking, he's speaking at Pensacola in Florida. I said, when does this man sleep? And we, we envy their money. God said, they did not uh, make their money by sleeping. Man. <laughs> they made their money by slogging. They work and they work hard. Okay, So if a billionaire who hardly knows God Work so hard like that, a president, you know, work so hard like that, why can't we men work in the homes and help them out, you know? So you, you have to look at it that way and uh, stop being lazy. Amen. One of the problem with Indian men are Indian men are very lazy. <laughs> they can just sit and do nothing for hours. Okay. And because I grew up, I saw that. I saw that. When my father was lazy, he was absolutely hardworking in the office. But home, nothing. He wouldn't do anything in the home. If he ever did something, it was a rarity. He was brought up that way. So it doesn't matter how you were brought up. Most men in India are brought up that way. But change your mindset. Renewal of your mind according to the word of God. Okay, We, are, we invest in labor at home. And after some time, you'll start liking it. Start liking it. Yeah, you will enjoy it. You will enjoy it. I guess that has answered many wives. And okay. then I think the last question, 13 also. So is there it says, responsibilities of the children and the home. Yes, you have to. Hmm? I think the third, 13th question is a little more uh, tricky. Okay. Is it okay for the spouse to say, I'm more comfortable with someone else? This could be a relative than you and hence I'd rather choose them over you to go somewhere to do ministry to ask for help even if the other is willing example A and B are husband and wife A prefers to go with his mother for prayer ministry rather than his wife even though the wife is willing to come his response to the wife is I'm more comfortable with my mum so I'd rather take her than you Okay, that's more dicey. That question is more dicey. Okay, let's read that carefully because there's so many things in there. Is it okay for the spouse to say, I'm more comfortable with someone else? This could be a relative than you and hence. I would rather to choose them over you to go somewhere, to do ministry, to ask for help. No, it's not right. Especially if the spouse is willing huh. and want to come, you don't ever choose anybody. I mean, that would be what I would say the spouse is not willing and the spouse is willing and you choose over the spouse, you would straight away be an act of adultery. I'm not saying physical in the terms of it is in the mind. It is. Okay, the spouse is willing. 
again. When the spouse is unwilling and does not want to come and somebody else goes with you, because that's their inscription. That's a different thing. This is a question of where the spouse is willing. Okay, so to go somewhere, to do ministry, to ask for help. Okay, and when the, it is, people do not realize how marriages break up. Marriages break up is because one person is unwilling. There are a lot of stuff. I still remember a preacher saying, if my wife were to ask the neighbor to pick up a tin which she cannot reach when I'm in the house and she doesn't ask me, I would consider it an act of adultery. Why do you need to ask another man when you haven't asked me? Why do you need to ask another woman when you have not asked me? So we have to realize because in a marriage it is different. In marriage, okay, it's different. We're not talking about where he says it's okay, please take help, or she says it is okay, it's stable because I cannot, I'm not, I am not, I don't know how to do it, or I'm too busy, I don't have the time. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. I cannot come with you. Why don't you take this one? That's a different scenario. This scenario is different. That scenario is different. That's a uh, a place where Paul talks about taking believing yeah. sisters, as in Corinthians. Yes, right? well, yeah, as in Corinthians. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he talks about apostles took sisters. Jesus had women helping him out and all that there. So we are not talking about that. This is a different, very specific situation. And the example is also given. A and B are husband and wife. A prefers to go with his mother for prayer ministry rather than his wife, even though the wife is willing to come. Let me tell you about family and ministry. In family and ministry, okay, when a man is married, I'm not talking about a man who is unmarried, I'm talking about a man when he's married. When a man is married, the first law of gravity works. That huh. is, man shall leave. Okay, this is gravity, shall leave. Gravity hmm. is fall, no, it's leaving. He shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall become one. It's a continuous process because the struggle is always this. It's always good to make a move, okay. In ministry, in ministry, when God calls a man who is married, his wife is part of him. Now, she may be part of the ministry in the spiritual part, and some women are not. They don't want to, and they are not equipped for that. It's fine. But she may be part of the ministry in a different part. She may be a hospitable person. Hospitable person. Okay? Hospitable person. You will always see pastor's wives, even if they don't pray, they need to be, it's one of the things they always told my boys every place when they brought their, who were called for ministry, who brought their girls to meet me. They're one of the first things I said, your house will one day become open. Be willing to feed people. Even if you can't pray and you're not called spiritually, you'll be called physically to help your husband because he's a, in so many ways a shepherd of lots of people. So a lot of sheep will come to eat. And you will have to feed them. They'll be hungry. They will come at different times. So be ready for that. So his wife is a spiritual partner. It's a spiritual partner. Some of them are not spiritual partners in the sense of they may not have an anointing for ministry. Okay, and I know pastor's wife. The pastor does not involve her in ministry at all, but he involves her in the other things. Okay, other things. Meaning the rest of the physical, these things and all, he involves the spiritual part of it, prayer, no, women's Bible study, she may not be equipped, but you will see, even in rural areas, you will see, she doesn't know how to do, but she cooks, and she feeds, and she takes care of all that. 
so you have to understand so in a in a in a ministry setup it is a man and it is wife one way or other they are together in ministry then the children you have to be very very careful about it the children gets involved only if there is a calling on the children mm. i'm talking about ministry mm. okay they can be in the worship team and all that is okay that's not ministry primarily okay we are talking about a call of god should go on from a father to us a son should be involved only if there is a call of god you don't pass it on to a son who does not have a call that's the bubu samuel made one lesson he did not learn from his mother one lesson he did not learn is from his mother dedicated him to the lord and handed him over to the lord and she had other sons he had other brothers but they were never called by god so he put his sons into positions of responsibility which is a ministry as a judge when they were not called and that brought the downfall beginning of the downfall so pastors have to be very very careful you don't count flesh and blood there okay they have to go different ways who will succeed me god will moses had two sons god picked joshua okay so it does not matter so there you have to be careful then in ministry when you are in ministry you have to be always be careful about your father your mother your siblings you have to always have to be careful about them because you have left them you have left them. you love them you honor them you take care of them but as far as possible unless the ministry was calling of god was from your father to you if it is not that keep them out like jesus did keep them out you always create trouble always create trouble keep your father and mother out of the ministry out of the ministry it will always bring trouble always bring trouble they are not part of your ministry they are part of your household ministry was given by god so when this person is talking about i would rather to go with your mom i will not i will not i will go if my mother i am single and my mother is in ministry and i will go with her but if i am married and i am separate i am not going there i'm not going there it will create conflict it will create confusion you will see it happens that the first statement that jesus makes to his own mother it's not being rude he's talking a fact this is different the first statement at the age of 12 he makes is he makes a clear division she should have remembered that i am at my father's business this is passed on from the father to the son mom this you are not involved in this you don't understand this you've done your part you gave conceived me you gave birth to me you reared me you have done your part but you are not part of my father's business the son and the mother cannot work in the ministry together the son and the father cannot work in the ministry together unless it is the father who had the call so abraham and isaac can walk together abraham and terah cannot walk together mm. understand the difference abraham and terah cannot walk together because terah is not the one who is called it's the son who is called but abraham and isaac can call together because isaac is a result of the ministry it's a part of it isaac and jacob can walk together isaac and esau cannot be walk together because is jacob is called esau is not the whole family falls apart because isaac wants to pass it on to esau if you want to look at it spiritually yes yes he wants to pass it on to esau when he does not have the call of god upon his life understand principles it's how it works how it works 
and Jesus will have this conflict in John chapter 2 with his mother. In John chapter 5 or 6, the brothers are now pushing him. Let's go to Jerusalem. His brothers are with him. They followed him. They are with him. The mother is with him. Let's go now. Show yourself. He says, no, I cannot. It always, flesh and blood will always bring conflict in ministry. So you have to keep flesh and blood away from ministry. Though they may be part of your own church, they do not get involved. Because it's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. Because imagine it's your father. Okay, imagine. So, um, there, uh, see, God called uh, Abraham in the hour of the Chaldeans. And we don't know when he called. Let's, see, let's say, imagine he called him at the age of 65. But we don't hear about Abraham until he's 75 because until he separates from his father. His father messed his ministry up. You look at it as ministry because his father says, I'm staying here and he stays there. Even Moses goofs up with Jethro. Moses goofs up with Jethro. Okay. And Moses, the issue, the issue here is that even with, uh, you know how flesh and blood, uh, begins trouble for Moses, Miriam, his elder sister and his, uh, brother, elder brother Aaron. Because of his wife. Yes. Now he and his wife, they are together. And they got an issue. They are an issue. And they start bringing. But they are not thinking as a priest or as a prophetess. They are thinking as flesh and blood. Yes. If they had thought as a priest and thought as a prophetess before God, there would have been no trouble. They would have gone before God and would have said, nope, he's my man and that's his wife. Leave it alone. They did not think as a... Don't misunderstand that. The intervention you see there is very clear. is as a brother and as a sister. And mm. he's the younger one. And that's flesh and blood interfering with spirit. Mm. Interfering with spirit. So you have to understand these distinctions and be very, very, very careful. If there is a man and he has a wife, it is his wife. It is not his father. It is not his brother. It is not his mother. It is not his sister. They do not become part of his ministry as far as possible. Keep them away. Keep them away. And if you are a Christian in a business, keep them away. Ask for advice. Don't get them in. If it's your business, you bring family in. It's going to be trouble. See, in one of my churches, I had a young boy who was looking for a job. Okay? Looking for a job. So the church is very close, very nice, everything is okay. There is somebody else who ran a business. Okay? So in the church, everybody is like very close as a family. Now, that person said, why don't you come and work for me because you need a job. Okay. So he was very happy. So I called him home and I said, you come to me in the evening. I said, I said, you t- I want to tell you something. Church is one thing. Workplace is one thing. We are all here. One family. When you go over there, that person is your boss. You better behave properly. Otherwise, you won't last there. That's your boss. That's not your brother in Christ. It's your boss. All the other employees in that office are unbelievers. You are the believer. Your boss is the believer. Do not take undue advantage of your relationship in the church. I will tell you, you do it. You will not last. You know what? He didn't last. The person came to me and said, what do I do? I said, fine. Fire him. Because you cannot keep him. Because you continue and he continues with his behavior of familiarity with you over there because of the church. You know what? You will lose your discipline in the office with the others. And the Bible talks about it. If your boss is a believer, 
you should work even Double. more yeah. harder. Yes, Oscar, first thing harder first because at least you know your benefit of your labor is going to the believer. Yeah. Yeah. So people need to understand these fundamental principles, and you know what? They get very sentimental. You no, know, we are, we are all in this thing. Why do you behave? You no, know, this is all question about sentiment. People don't understand structure. Structure. This family structure. If you try to replace in the ministry, it can become problems. It can become very, very problematic. So you will see through the Bible where families got disrupted because there is a call of God, Terah and Abraham, Abraham and Isaac. It's different. Terah and Abraham. Though you will say, but isn't Terah Abraham's father? Yes. There is no call on the father. Abraham is called. Isaac is called. Ishmael is not called. And I, Abraham, like a, a foolish man, is saying, Lord, please bless Ishmael, please bless Ishmael. God says, he's not the one, I'll bless him. But he's not part of the ministry. He's not part of the ministry. The one who's part of the ministry is the one who will come off you. That will be my work. Isaac is the part of the ministry. This guy is a different part of the ministry. He's not part of the ministry at all. So you want to look at it that Isaac is ministry, Ishmael is secular business. Secular business, Ishmael prospers. Okay, so that's the way line it goes through. So you have to be very, very careful about this. Husbands, men, you have to be very, very careful about it. It's your wife who's part of your ministry. It's not your mother. It's not your mother. It's not your father. It is not. Unless it's the father who handed the church over to you, he's supervisor, you are assistant pastor under him. Under him. You know? You're under him and you function it that way. But any man, any woman who marries a man who is in ministry, should be willing to minister in one way or other. If she can't pray, it's fine. She should cook. She should be that hospital. The Bible is very clear for wives of uh, elders, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. should be hospitable. should be hospitable. does not say she should perform all the gifts and all. If she doesn't have, she can't. But hospitality is something, right? Isn't it there? Yes. Yeah, she should be hospitable. Hospitable. So that's part of it. So get that picture very, very right. And husbands, help your wives. And whichever way you can make their life easy. And sometimes all the, all you need, if you can't do any of the things which I suggested, you don't know how to do, learn it. One thing you can do is that, just take the children and go out for a couple of hours, give her some space to get her uh, mind back in order, if she's been with the kids the whole day at home. They can drive you nuts, I can tell you. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I'll tell you as I close with my little Madhulika. It used to take one hour to put her to sleep. And she wants hallelujah. Hallelujah means a song on this. But hallelujah is anything is hallelujah for her. Because that's the only word she means. Okay. Lights are off. I'm lying downstairs with her in the bed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm trying to reduce the volume. No? Oh, more volume. I said, okay. Sleep now, sleep now, sleep now, sleep. I said hallelujah is over. I'm putting it off. Suddenly. Is it one or two? One. Are you sure? Sure. See, two, it's okay. Do it in your diaper. One means you have to take them, no? So you take all the diaper or put it over there. Like little cherub. When they wake up from the bed, they are angelic. Hair is all like this. Face is red. They look like little mischievous angels. Okay? I'm sitting on the chair. She's sitting at what time? Twelve in the midnight. She's looking at me. I said, what's happening? Not coming. <laughs> Think it is a mother who is woken up at 5 in the morning, who worked the whole day. And 12 o'clock in the night, the child is saying, 
you know it doesn't work with the mother mm-hmm. no it doesn't work with the mother really works because they know it does not with the mother because they know the man okay so after 20 minutes i said is it i think it's not coming mm. can you be angry with a 2 year old child no. okay let's put the diaper come over by the time 12:30 12:45 the little one is asleep and you are thinking okay mm. at least tomorrow morning she will sleep late again no before the dawn cracks eyes are open go back to sleep palu palu <laughs> is it okay grandma is sleeping okay quietly uh. and go but i'm telling you when everything is over all you have left is those memories you know what they tired you but they brought you joy mm. they brought you joy so fathers enjoy your children enjoy okay one insect decided to attack that okay okay enjoy your children and make life easy life easy but wives i would tell you be realistic in your expectations okay expectations should be according to what your husband is don't look at other men other husbands and don't look at jesus we are all trying to be like him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you I've told you no once a girl uh, she still she's now 50 plus and still single mm. she wrote to me when she was in her 30s and she gave me a list of 33 things she wanted in a man she wanted to marry I said you won't find the only man I can find is Jesus <laughs> and he refused to marry <laughs> no so expectations <laughs> Yeah. The problem is Jesus wouldn't want her. Right? Yes, no, Jesus is poor. If he were he such a kind man, he would have married her no, and made changed her. But the problem is, 25 years later, she's still single. Whatever your husband is, let your expectations be realistic. Don't look at somebody else and say, you know what, I want you to be like that. That's the worst thing you can ever ask. Look at him and look at his weak points look at his strong points and try to encourage him understand like i said no like the bible says to live with your wife with understanding and the wife should live with your husband <laughs> with understanding no so don't ask your husband to do things which he doesn't no doesn't you know like your husband cannot sing don't tell him sing and put the child to sleep the child will have nightmares <laughs> okay don't do that okay so look at what he can do know your strengths and say can you please do this while i handle this and he may very well do that and be very good at that you okay, can understand okay so that's how you work it out you work it out and you know is those years when the children are small are difficult years but i will tell you those are the best years those are the best years difficult years yes if you are kind and patient long suffering those will also be the best years because as like kiara's patisserie it's a slice of heaven <laughs> it's a slice of heaven okay children when they are growing up that's a slice of heaven the devil hates it so he wants to mess up those years so that you don't experience heaven on earth don't let him do it fathers fathers all men single men who are getting married okay when you have your children spend time with them when they are small my father was good okay all that he wouldn't do all that but i learned chess from him i learned badminton from him a lot of stuff which i learned he taught me them all when i was small how to play cards all the games everything he was a game sports guy he was a sports guy so he taught me all those things when i was small before i was 10 years old i learned everything from him okay so that was good discipline waking up on time order all those reading everything you name it i learned it from my father cooking of course from my mother okay so those things are there
Okay, so please remember, you can learn a lot of stuff. Learn a lot of stuff. Children, you can teach children a lot of stuff. Don't deprive your children of your presence. Okay, Vijay? <laughs> okay. Play with them. Don't teach them math. Okay, during their play time. Okay, Vijay? <laughs> play with them. Okay, play with them. Lots of games. 45 minutes. I'm not talking for 3 hours. They will want 3 hours. 45 minutes is enough. So let's play with them. Okay. Let's pray. Yeah? Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Oh, Father, we help us to build our lives, our homes, restore our homes where there is miserable. Let people understand, Lord, through your word, through your spirit, what is real love. It is kind, it is patient. And, oh Lord, we look at each other's strengths and we use our strengths to build one another so that life becomes easier for each person. We make our homes a safe place from the evil of the world for our children so that the children will truly experience the presence of God in our homes. Yes, Lord. <clears throat> Church becomes a safe place. It's a place of word where we are taught of the heart of God, the mind of God, the will of God, who is the Father. And it's a place of fellowship where we spend time together, a lot of eating, a lot of fun, that the church becomes a replica of the home. So that even children who come from broken homes will find the church a happy place, an uplifting, edifying place. And through it all, your spirit, the spirit of our Father will be there and bind us together. And then one day, Lord, the blow of the trumpet, the translation takes place and we are in heaven. We will be at home in our eternal home because we experienced a slice of heaven on earth. And therefore, we are hungry and thirsty for that day where the Bible says, Lord, heaven would come down, New Jerusalem would come down to earth. And we would live with our Father forever. He would wipe our tears. There is no sorrow. There is no pain. There is no suffering. It will be literally joy unlimited. Hmm. Hallelujah. Yes. We look forward to that day, Lord. But help us to experience a little of it that every day in our lives, in our homes. We pray, Father, you speak both to the men and to the women and to the children. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.